order for a project to be funded, it must have a partnership between a research organisation and a part of the industry. Our worry is that this money will gravitate to the bigger players, the research players, the institutions, and working fishermen will lose out. So much of the work that we've done through this will be focused on data collection and on building better understanding of our stocks and so on. Good day to you all and welcome to the Fathom Podcast. As always, Chris Ranford here of the Cornish Fish Producers Organisation and long-time Fathom host. So just before we get into the detail of this latest episode, I wanted to add a brief note at the start to say that Fathom is embarking on a collaboration with the National Federation of Fishermen's Organisation, or NFFO for short. Uh, this will just be a short series of podcasts over the coming months, with today's episodes being the first of four. Throughout this collaboration, I'll be joined by Barry Dees, NFFO Chief Exec, no stranger to the Fathom podcast. Barry will join me as a co-host and we'll be focusing on a whole range of challenges and opportunities that fishermen are facing in a post-Brexit landscape. And in true Fathom style, we'll be seeking out a whole wide range of issues, challenges, people, projects and organisations with a view to help illustrate the role of the NFFO and the work that it does to support the entire fleet at all levels. So in today's episode, Barry and I will be delving into the new 100 million UK seafood fund, which was originally announced at the start of the year by the Prime Minister. And just to give you a brief update, the 100 million fund is now live and split into three different pillars, science and innovation, infrastructure and training and skills. And in this episode, we're just going to focus on the science and innovation part, specifically the fisheries industry science partnership part of that. The aim of the Fisheries Industry Science Partnership scheme is to improve and, and share knowledge of fisheries and agriculture by funding data collection and research, which ultimately aims to improve overall fisheries management. Uh, this will be done through collaborations between the fishing industry and research organisations. And both the NFFO and the CFPO have been closely monitoring the development of this part of the fund in order to understand how this new investment will actually filter through to those on the key side. So we got in contact with DEFRA to help break this down and get a better understanding of the fund. And we spoke with Alistair Mosley, a policy official at DEFRA, just to get the full details of the fund and start to highlight some of the issues, some of the concerns that are coming out from the industry, just making sure that we're going to get really get a good grasp of this sort of once in a lifetime opportunity, 100 million pounds of funding for the industry to make sure we get it to the right areas to make the changes we need to make. So that's enough from me. Let's get into it. Over to Barry and myself and Alistair. When the Prime Minister made the announcement just about 12 months ago now that $100 was going to be made available uh, to the fishing industry to help uh, post-Brexit adjustments, um, we, I think we were uh, surprised, uh, but also, um, you know, it was a very welcome uh, gesture. And since then, there's been a lot of thinking about, you know, how that will be spent. We were really uh, pleased that um, the fishery science partnership concept rose to uh, the surface in, 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 uh, in, in that thinking. Uh, our experience of the fishery science partnership, which is, goes back um, really to about 2003. So we've had quite a long run at it. It's been extraordinarily successful um, because it's been um, industry-led um, and has addressed uh, fishing industry concerns. So the way that the fishery, fishery science partnership um, worked was that ideas would come from 
the grassroots from fishermen. Um, and then th there would be work with scientists to ensure that the questions that were being asked were scientifically valid. And then the boats would um, help with the data um, collection. And then the, the results of the, uh, the, 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 the research was, was published. And it was regarded by CFAS, um, it was quoted as being world-class participative research, which um, you know, is, is really quite an accolade. Um, our concern now is that um, the label fishery science partnership has been uh, used, but um, because the sums of money are so significant, are so big, that we're going to have to go through a public procurement um, tendering system. And our worry there is that, you know, whilst um, universities and research uh, organisations and, and, and bigger entities are well placed to access that those funds, um, it doesn't have the same kind of approach that the original Fishery Science Partnership had. Um, there was a steering committee there that ensured um, equity, fairness, um, both in terms of regions and in terms of uh, fleet segments. So, you know, if, if um, one region or fleet segment missed out one year, we'd make sure that they, they received um, the funding for the next year. So over time, um, there was equity and, 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 and fairness. And our worry is that um, the, this money will gravitate to the bigger players, the research players, the institutions that are well-placed to um, access the funding. And uh, working fishermen will lose out uh, as a result. And <clears throat> I don't think that was the intention when this money was announced. It was, it was there to help the industry, not to help research institutes and, and um, academics. Um, so, you know, these are the concerns. Um, we've raised them with De DEFRA. We've had one um, uh, round of, of this funding. Our, um, we'll see how that goes. But I think our concern now would be to ensure that the future rounds take on board these, these concerns that have been voiced by the industry. Yeah, so, so maybe if I sort of come in, Barry, if that's right. So, um, so I suppose your questions are about, are about equity, really, and about ensuring that that this funding and this this research benefits the industry. Um, so I guess there's sort of quite a few elements to that. So I think first it's worth recognising that FISP and so that's the Fisheries Industry Science Partnership Scheme, which is what we're talking about here, um, will produce outputs that we think are valuable to the industry as a whole. Um, so that includes fishers. Um, so much of the work that we've done through FISP will be uh, focused on data collection and on building better understanding of our stocks and so on. So um, clearly, there's, so there's work in there on data limited stocks and non-quota stocks and on delivering data and research needed for the fisheries management plans. Um, so we hope all that comes through. And, and obviously, I don't really need to, I don't need to emphasize how important it is that that, that work happens and that, that we can move towards um, more sustainable management of our stocks and the benefits that brings. Um, I think in terms of how we've designed the scheme, um, so we've we've designed it so that it it should produce research that's valuable for fishers. And one of the one of the key characteristics of FISP is that in order for a project to be funded, it must have a partnership between a research organization and a part of, part of the industry. Um, so, and therefore it effectively must have buy-in from the industry. And so obviously we've designed this scheme in this way because we want fishers in the industry to have their say in deciding what is important. Um, clearly, 
I think you're right in that that requires some level of engagement from the industry though. So I think um, I think part of our roles and I think part of the things that we want to consider um, going into the future to the next few rounds, so we're anticipating that there'll be three more FISP rounds, um, is sort of making sure that we can really support and enable fishers in the industry um, to be proactive in their engagement with research organisations so, um, so that the conversations are not led from that side. Um, I think that's a role for DEFRA. I think that's probably also a role for, for the NFFO and for the CFPO and for other organisations throughout the industry. Um, and I'll, I'll sort of just go on to highlight, there's a, there is a really good example of how this is being done. So that there's a group called the, called the FISP Network. Um, they were set up very recently, so just back in November, uh, and they run alongside the FISP scheme. Um, so the three charities that that essentially comprise that group uh, fishing into the future, uh, the fishing animateurs uh, and the fishmongers charitable trust, and that that sort of network collaboration is there to help support the development of industry-led research ideas and to enable that collaborative approach to research. Um, so the fishing animateurs are a really good first point of call for anyone that's looking to use that group to help support their proposals. Um, and I understand they've already put several um, potential applicants or people that are looking to apply for future rounds of FISP in touch with research organisations where those links didn't exist before. Um, so I think they can act as a really good bridge to enable people to access the scheme um, because you're right in that it is a procurement scheme and there are certain levels of controls and it has to come with, you know, we have to make sure that bids are of a good quality and that there's enough material in there for them to be independently assessed and that does carry with it a certain certain admin burden i think that um you know the kind of collaborate collaboration that you're describing is you know it's clearly very welcome um in all of these funding programs the proof of the pudding is always in the eating when we get to the end and we look back <clears throat> and our concern um I, I suppose from years of bitter experience is that you know when these um uh, what are they called, ex-ante um, uh, reviews, looking backwards, uh, have taken place, that the funding has um, generated benefits, but not for not direct benefits for uh, the catching sector. So I think um, it, it's important that we, at this very early stage, you know, flag up these concerns that, um, you know, we, we have a working model in the Fisheries Science Partnership uh, it worked well um, until austerity came along and slashed the budgets. Um, it was uh, generating ten projects a year, um, and um, it, it, you know it, it provided two things. One was um, useful uh, knowledge, useful data uh, for managing our fisheries sustainably, but also um, from my perspective, it had a it played a huge role in improving the quality of the relationship between fishermen, fishers, and fishery scientists. You know, where these projects were working, you could, you could really see um, a dramatic improvement, and, and a, which <clears throat> was, it was an ongoing process. So I think, um, I think it's right that we flag up these concerns. Um, I, I remain... Um, a, a bit of a skeptic in as much as we have um, these uh, you know large research organizations that may uh, I think the danger is that they may look on um, the need for collaboration as, as a token 
you know, you have your token fishermen on board in the project that ticks that box. And then we, you know, we carry on as we would have done anyway. Um, so I, th- I think we need to be alert to that. Um, and I think, um, I think that, you know, we all have a responsibility to ensure that this money is spent in the, in, in the best possible way. Uh, and, and I think that this broadcast is, is part of that process of scrutiny, really. Yes, I, I completely agree. Um, I think, I guess you sort of flagged up point there about, I suppose, making making sure that the research is valuable and making sure that those collaborations are genuine. Um, I suppose I can sort of highlight that um, we are doing work in DEFRA on data requirements, um, including as part of the development of the fisheries management plans. Um, so that work sort of runs, it's running alongside the FIS program at the moment. Um, but where it makes sense to reflect that in future FIST rounds, we will do so. So I suppose that helps that helps ensure that at least the outputs of the, the research are valuable to the industry. In terms of making sure those genuine collaborations exist, I think we'll have to see uh, what comes out of the assessment in that first FIST round. Um, we'll have to talk to some of the some of the successful applicants there and and get a sense of um, of how closely and how well they're working together. Um, so that's both in both parts of FISP. So one part of FISP is there to help enable the generation of research ideas, and one part is there to help deliver the research. Um, so we'll get a we'll get a sense from from that. I think whether the scheme is really working and whether our designers produce the produce the result that we that we want to see, and then we can start to start to gather feedback if it's not, and then think about ways in which we might adjust the scheme to make sure that 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 genuine collaboration happens. But yeah, I'm very open to kind of views and I guess further discussion on this. I think one of the um, uh, the areas in which I think uh, the, 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 this support is, is really um, necessary, and you've mentioned it in your introduction there, is um, support for fisheries management plans. <laughs> if fisheries management plans are going to be the way that we move away from the CFP, away from uh, EU fisheries law that has been retained um, during during this kind of transition, um, then they need to be well-based. They need to be evidence-based. There's a requirement for that in, in the Fisheries Act. But also, um, we, we want the best possible plans that we, we, we can develop. I mean, I know these things are kind of long-term and they will, they will evolve and change over time. But if we're on a strong um, evidence base to begin with, we're, off, we're often running in the right direction to begin with. So channeling funding in, in that direction I, I think is something that the the industry would 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 applaud um, and at the beginning of next week we have the shellfish industry uh, advisory group and that's one of the kind of front runners runners in, in developing these fisheries management plans we'll have to see there how um, how well integrated this funding is with those uh, those objectives so uh, I think that's that that's an important strand. Yes, yeah, I, c- I completely agree. And maybe the fisheries management plans as we've sort of discussed before, m- linking the fund more closely to that potentially um, addresses some of the sort of equity points um, as well. So making sure that all parts of the industry benefit because the fisheries management plans will be relevant for almost all parts of the industry. Um, so as I say, that work is obviously still developing and you mentioned the mentioned the front runner um, FMPs. Um, so we're still 
essentially developing a picture of what the evidence needs are that will, that will go into those fisheries management plans, but we can adapt. And I'm certainly keen to explore options, um, at least to focus the, the FISP scheme more closely on that agenda. Because um, I think you're right in that the fisheries management plans are, are going to be a pretty big deal. Um, and they seem like a really important piece of work to support. Um, at the moment, FISP is quite broad, um, but that doesn't mean to say that it needs to stay that way in future if if we get strong views that it needs to be more focused on particular bits like the fisheries management plans. I think that um, all fishers in, in every segment of the industry have a vested interest in uh, their fisheries management plan, but you know, whatever shape that that might be, whether it's a, a species or a group of species or an, or an area. And uh, I, I also think that um, you know, the concept of adjusting this fund as we move forward is, is the key. You know, if we've set off down uh, the wrong path, you know, let's, let's make the necessary adjustments to get in, in the right direction. But, but the, the, the key indicators that we'll be looking for is um, you know, whether, whether the industry um, and the different parts of the industry uh, welcome this as something that's useful and relevant to their, uh, their businesses, their fisheries, their lives, um, or whether it's something that um, channels the funding off in, in, in a direction that doesn't really benefit the industry. So, you know, for us, that's that's the key, uh, and that's where the scrutiny must lie. I was just going to chime in, actually. I suppose with the first round opened and closed already, um, at what point will we see the types of projects that are going through this, just to help paint the picture of either where the funds are going or what sort of work is going to take place under this first round? Is there some sort of transparency on that or, or a timeline there? Yeah, de- definitely. So um, I think we're going to be able to award contracts um, early in the new year. Um, so they're currently going through their assessment process at the moment. Um, and yeah, we'll definitely have a place um, where we can, we're still exploring what that might look like, but we'll have a place where we can publicise um, the projects that have been awarded. So similar to the to the Seafood Innovation Fund, which is also part of the Science Pillar and the UK Seafood Fund, they've got a They've got a nice website where you can go on and look at the projects and look at descriptions and so on. We might not quite have something that fancy, um, but, we'll, but we will have a place where people can read can read about the the, the projects and the um, where the money's going, basically. Yeah, that's that's helpful, I think. Yeah, just because like Barry said already, obviously we need to identify where the areas of spend need to go in terms of actually being strategic. So if we can see what's happening at the moment or what's already been approved, we can start to sort of rule out certain things or, or see where to focus that investment in the future. Uh, one one other thing I thought as well would be good to know or good to tell other people, when's, with, with the deadline of this actual uh, spend of this 100 million, um, well, first of all, when, when is that? And secondly, what in terms of collecting data and actually doing fisheries industry science partnerships, obviously these things are going to take time. So although there are future funding rounds, it's good for people to understand um, if they've got something long-term that they want to do, then it's probably quite urgent to, to be aware of what's possible and get in on the next funding round as opposed to leave it into 2023 when you may only have six months a year to actually do the project. So can you just kind of help colour that in for us a bit? Yeah, sure. So I can, I, I'll have to caveat a lot of this being as it is, is it may change and we're currently going through the first round and, this is a, I guess, sort of a bit of a learning experience for for the team in DEFRA in terms of how long it takes us to process all of these applications and get to award stage. Um, but we're hoping to run the next, so the next round should be in early spring. So I'm currently thinking that that may well be March and then overlapping into April. Um, we'll aim to run 
the, the moment, my plan is to run two more funding rounds in 2022. Um, so there'll be summer and then winter. Uh, and then the funding has to all be spent by March 24. So you're right in that if you've got a if you've got a project that you think needs a significant amount of time, so the maximum um, funding window, maximum amount of time a project could run for in these in this first round was two years. Um, if you've got a project of that sort of length, then you're probably going to want to look at uh, the next funding round in spring for that one, and and then obviously they'll get they'll get sort of progressively shorter. Um, later on so that that's the kind of current makeup of the fund at the moment yeah that's that's good to know um and i mean finally from me uh well with experience on previous funding programs either through the mmo or european funding schemes um obviously you get if you're successful and you get a grant offer letter then you've got to stump the money up to to make make that project start uh, obviously, that's been a big barrier in the past of people being able to deliver projects. And although there are a few different support schemes that have come out in the last year or two, either that regionally or some national support there, wrapping it around this type of work, um, if you've got sort of those core groups of, sort of grassroots fishermen wanting to do these projects, is there anything out there? Is there anything under this fund that will help them kickstart their work? Because um, finance is such a big barrier as well to people to, to make progress on this work. Yeah. Yeah, so you're right. So both, um, so in in this last round, uh, both parts of FISP had a ten percent match fund requirement. Um, in terms of, I suppose, getting started on getting started on a research idea. So, if you permit me to sort of go into the difference between the two the two parts of FISP, and um, basically, so I think I'll probably need to explain that first. So, so FISP is divided into Part A uh, and Part B. Part A provides grant funding for the industry and a research organisation to develop a research proposal, which could be used as a bid for Part B. And Part B is where research projects are funded and where the majority of the money will actually be allocated. So Part A will pay for things like your travel expenses for a workshop or the time that you and a research organisation spend developing a proposal or bid for Part B. And that research proposal will effectively be a plan to, to conduct a research project. So part A has really been designed with the industry in mind. It's not it's not really there for research organisations. It's there to provide essentially that kind of bridge of funding to enable people to go from that initial um, research idea into a full plan to deliver a research project. So there is a significant packet of work, which is why that 20,000 part A grant is available. Um, and we understand, of course, that it'd be quite difficult for people, particularly smaller operators, to actually carve out the time to do that with a research organisation if that weren't in place. In terms of actually getting started on a on a Part A uh, research proposal um, application, so although that twenty k is available for you to for you to develop a research proposal, you still need to apply for it. Um, so, in order to help you get started on that, I, I would recommend contacting that FISP network group that I mentioned earlier, and the fishing animateurs are the best first point of contact there. Um, so, if you've got, for instance, uh, an initial research idea or area of focus, say, for example, there's a particular stock which you think we need more data on, um, then I would encourage you to get in touch with them, and they can really kind of walk you through the steps of a part a application and potentially put you in touch with a research organization to to develop that all the way through to a to a full three hundred thousand pound part b um, project and then of course part b is where you submit to that research proposal and then it either gets funded or it doesn't and that's where we pay for the delivery of the research okay and, and is that money then what i was trying to get at and maybe you've already answered i don't know um 
do they have to spend and then claim that money back? If it's an applicant applying for the fund, they've got to have that in the bank or part of it and then claim the money back from DEFRA. Because if that's the case, then obviously there's going to be limitations there. Yeah, exactly. So um, so it's slightly different depending on which part. So on part A, um, there's an option for 25% upfront payment. So that is something we've added in following feedback um, on the sort of first round to so the early market engagement phase we did for the first round. Um, so you have to sort of put in a justification of need um, for that, which we can obviously we can talk through individual applicants in the fishing animators can help people figure out what that looks like. Um, but so 25% of that part A can be upfront. And, and again, we've sort of designed that with the industry in mind so that hopefully of the research organization and the industry partner, it goes to the one that needs it most, which are probably going to be the industry partner. Uh, and then the rest of the payment for part A is paid in arrears. So upon completion of that project to develop a research proposal, and we anticipate that'll take around five months. Um, for part B, so that's the big the big uh, £300,000 uh, contracts, there are payment on quarterly milestones. So you can claim for the work that you've done each quarter, um, but on arrears. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for clarifying that. Um, yeah, no problem. Barry, anything else? Well, just really um, to reinforce the equity point, and and you know, it will be at the end of this whole process that we'll look back and say, well, has this been fair? Have, you know, have all the regions around the coast uh, received uh, their their bite at the cherry? Um, has every fleet segment uh, that that needs the money um, had had access to that money? So, and I think it's. Um, it's really important to flag these up uh, at the start of this process because there is time to make adjustments. That's just how I would like to to leave it. You know, when, when we look back at this, I don't want to have uh, the repeat of so many um, previous fisheries funding uh, streams where uh, the benefits have not have not gone directly to the industry, uh, and you know, others have benefited from what was uh, in, intended for the industry. Any final comments, Alistair? Uh, no, other than other than to say, um, yeah, I'm just I'm really keen to keep those conversations going. So obviously, we've talked about closer links to the fisheries management plans as a way to address the equity point. We've talked about um, that FISP network as a way to help people become more proactive in their engagement with research organisations. Um, and obviously, we'll see what comes out of this next round. But yeah, no, I'm keen to keep having those conversations and, and yeah, make sure that we can we can deliver against that equity point. Yeah. Um, just one final uh, point there to raise, just so people listening, if they want to make contact with the FISP network, is there a email address or a website? Or Yeah, so I think, I think you can Google the fishing animators. Yeah, we'll, we'll put some stuff in the show notes. That's fine. Yeah. Um, well, I feel like that's a good uh, a good wrap-up point. So yeah, thanks both very much for, uh, for for getting onto the Fathom podcast and starting to unravel some of this. No doubt we'll, we'll pick up on other pillars, Alistair and Barry, uh, in 2022. I know we've got infrastructure and training and skills on the horizon so we'll, we'll come back and address them at another time but yeah thanks both for this yeah thanks very much for having me thanks chris thanks alistair this episode has been made possible thanks to funding from the nffo and support from the cornish fish producers organization 